This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass. Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open. Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host Nick Stevens, live from Atlanta at site of Super Bowl 53. That's right. We're at Sidebar home of the Patriots Right Now Studios. And Don, I'm glad to see that one of my wishes was finally granted. We're recording the podcast in a bar. That's right. I'm the most comfortable I'll have been so far. We will get done and we'll serve ourselves. Exactly. So to speak. Um, This is Wednesday afternoon of Super Bowl week. We just listened to the State of the League address by Commissioner Roger Goodell. Uh, I was in attendance. And big headline that we should touch on briefly, obviously, is the officiating um, chaos that ensued in New Orleans in the Why, NFC title game. I, I wasn't made aware. It was a bit of a uh, 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 missed call or two. Kerfuffle, as the yeah, kids kerfuffle. say. Um, I guess the big headline is Roger Goodell came out and at least acknowledged that the call was not made correctly. Both calls, the well, helmet he to helmet. Well, he, he basically said that the Saints were contacted immediately after the game by Al Riveron, which we knew, and it was conveyed to them that the call, the league would have liked that call to have been made. So it was no big, huge mea culpa if, if New Orleans and, and its fans were waiting for that. But he at least checked that off the box. What I was struck by, Nick, is he did not have any sort of proactive lean into a change coming for instant replay, either an extra official in the box, as last week's guest Mike Pereira Fox uh, suggested, not even an extra official on the field. It was very, um, very unlike last year when he came out and basically said, I think the catch rule is broken. I'd like to see some attention given to it. I'd like to see it clarified. And in fact, maybe we'll even consider making changes to it halfway through Super Bowl 52, but I digress. <laughs> right. And, and action ensued. Uh, this time I got the feeling rather than that was um, activist Roger Goodell. That was can do Roger Goodell. This was can't do Roger Goodell. He, He talked quite a bit about the fact that there would be unintended consequences to a rule change and that clubs, um, how did he put it? The other complication is that it was a no call. Our coaches and clubs have been very resistant about having a replay official or somebody in New York throw a flag when there's no flag. So doesn't sound like eye in the sky Sky Judge, as Mike Pereira put it, is going to be um, something he's going to pound the table for. Well, it's not something that he came right out and addressed. And look, I'd rather still there be a flag thrown when there's no flag because you can always confer, have a little bit of a referee's powwow midfield, and post-conference pick it up and say there's no foul on the play. Had they had time or done so, maybe they wouldn't have called roughing the passer against Tom Brady, or rather on Tom Brady against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. But this is a time where the fans needed to hear him come out and say, we're going to do something about this. He needed to come out and say strongly and unequivocally, this cannot happen. Now, he can't get out. He's going to to render himself completely powerless. He would have neutered himself entirely if he came out and said, I'm sorry, a fan base was wrong. wrong." What if he came out and said the wrong team is Super Bowl? That would have been awful. He would have set off more fireworks as if he hasn't already over the last several years than he could have contended with. But to come out and strongly declare – we are going to make sure that what happened in that game doesn't happen again. I feel like this is him again gingerly and daintily stepping around something as opposed to directly addressing it. The 345 Park Avenue just does not like to absorb the blame that they need to. Well, no, he did not touch the question of whether the Super Bowl pairing was tainted. Um, and he, he basically said there was a lot of communication between the league and the Saints, Sean Payton to Rich McKay, the competition committee chairman. Uh, he, he spoke specifically of talking to Gail Benson, the owner of the Saints. But he didn't hit it head on. He didn't say, this is, you know, this is unacceptable, we can't have it. And it's funny because I think we've seen Roger Goodell when he wants to be more proactive. And it was a reactive Roger Goodell. Uh, when asked why he waited as long as 
10 days to come up and, and basically acknowledge the error. Uh, he said, oh, we talked to the Saints right after the game, but he didn't talk to the public, uh, and that's the difference. So, I, And I hate to say it, but it's the public that buys the beer, it's the public that buys the tickets, it's the public that streams the games, and it's the public that's going to fill Mercedes-Benz Stadium down the street in a couple of days to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. We deserve, we deserve an answer. We deserve transparency. We deserve the truth in something like this because – like my crazy conspiracy theory that I picked up off the Internet last week, and the Internet's full of them in case you haven't checked. I've heard that. The one about how, like, there were three officials standing around there from Los Angeles, and then the NFL saw it and gave credence to it and even said they were, quote, concerned about that. Hmm. Well, if they were concerned about it, then come out and say something about it or don't let it happen in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Well, he was a lot of questions he took, but obviously that was the, the dominant topic. Your early impressions. Uh, you got to town Tuesday, right? That's right. I, came I got in to Monday town afternoon. Tuesday. Uh, most of the team here for Craft Sports Entertainment and the Right Now Network, uh, they got to town on Sunday. Uh, so far, I wouldn't necessarily guess the biggest sporting event in the Western Hemisphere is taking place in five days. You're not noticing days. enough of that Super Bowl No, crush. I'm not feeling it. Now, last year, for some reason, I think we felt it because everything, so much of the media-related activities – were centered around the Mall of America. Right. So we had Radio Row, the Patriots had their fan cave and the Not Done Network. When you got there, there was a buzz. There was palpable energy you could get a feel for. And now we're in Atlanta, which is just such a sprawl. I mean, like, the, honestly, the state should be called Atlanta, and Georgia should be the capital because Atlanta is just so damn big. And the media and center's over at the Georgia World Congress Center. That's over by the Congress Center. You've got team hotels uh, on downtown. You've got One team in hotels in Buckhead. Uh, I don't know about you, but my Uber tab is going to be ridiculous by the time. I'm running up a little. Yeah, I'm yeah. running up I'm a, significant, uh, a significant lift tab. Uh, also, uh, I left the Northeast. Yep. Uh, in case anyone listens to this and they're coming down, don't worry. You don't have to pack your Uggs and your flip-flops because the Uggs weather is about to finish through town. But I got here. It was colder than it was in the Northeast. Yeah. It was 19 degrees last night. Yeah, Nick is wearing his Pat. Patriots. Well, I sleep, I sleep in this. I, I sleep do. in this. I'm still in the same outfit that I hosted the Patriots Super Bowl send-off rally in. Yeah, let's go. People in the basement, they want to cheer, but they know they can't because we, we have to remain fan neutral on this podcast. It was but actually that was fun. A, a Weather Channel guy that asked Goodell today if the roof is going to be open. He says it's 62. The Weather Channel guy said 62 and cloudy on game night. So, so what do they think? Are they they're, gonna... they, they, they're deferring. Uh, of course they are. They'd love to show off the new roof, basically. Right. The iris. Works. Yes. The iris. So. Yeah. Uh, and I've also had a chance to mostly to talk to the locals. And they're, they're, I, I still, I'm not buying the fact that everyone keeps telling me that it's okay, as far as Atlanta residents and natives go, that it's cool that the Patriots are in town. They're, 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 I think they're I think they're swallowing a lot of grief. Look, first and foremost, they got, they got, out. They got their wish number one, and that was no Saints working out at Correct. their team complex, playing on their stadium, Oof. and infiltrating their town. So right. I don't think they can ask for too much and, and have their uh, their Patriots uh, right. hate sated as well. Right. Uh, we, we should mention we've got a great guest today. Uh, we had to tape it this morning because he's a busy man, but my former Sports Illustrated colleague and friend, Peter King, now of NBC and uh, NBCSports.com, gave us, what, a good, good half an hour, half hour uh, to dive into all things Super Bowl 53, to talk a little bit of uh, Roger Goodell as well. So he's coming up shortly. Um, you know, I've been out to the Rams the last two days. Uh, I, this is a team I don't think is going to be awed by the moment or the stage. I think Sean McVay has imbued this team with whatever moxie he has that, yeah. you know, he's ready. He's only 33, but he was ready for his close-up. I think this team's going to play well. That's been a speculated narrative that the Rams are going to be uh, wowed by the bright lights at the Patriots with the nine Super Bowl appearance. Just in case uh, everyone forgot, uh, this is Tom Brady's ninth Super Bowl that he'll be appearing in. Just, I just want to say that again. That people thought, oh, well, their experience is going to be an X factor. That's almost like another box you can check off for the Patriots in the whole, like, who's got the better quarterback, who's got the better O-line. But if you're telling me that the Rams are composing themselves in a manner that gives off, like, that confidence and the whole, like, maybe they're playing with a house money attitude, Don. Yeah, I think there is some of that. Um, I think that there's a feeling that this team thought it had Super Bowl capability all season, so they're not terribly shocked to find themselves here. I mean, um, they did go all in on this team, and they went shopping in the offseason via trade and free agency and mm -hmm. picked up big-time players with headline names. 
And I think, uh, again, I think McVeigh's confidence kind of gives this team the feeling that they belong here. Um, and beating New Orleans in New Orleans gave them, uh, you know, a certain amount of charge that they feel like they can play anywhere against anyone. Well, beating New well, Orleans. But we, like we talked about last week, New Orleans had plenty of opportunities to finish the game and punch their own ticket that way. I am so fat. There are so many different matchups, and we'll get to this on the other side of the Peter King interview with our predictions and uh, preview of the game. One thing I am so fascinated to watch is the McVay-Belichick battle because he's the future. Belichick represents the legacy. 66-33. to 33. The eight, I mean, you could literally there's, there's two Sean McVeighs would make yep. one Bill Belichick. And I just I just wonder if there's enough in Belichick to sort of predict what McVeigh is going to do or if McVeigh will find a way to outsmart yeah. his coaching idol. It's and, and we know that Belichick's impressed by McVeigh, texted him during the season, thinks he's a bright young, you know, a, a bright spot in the future. Winners know the NFL. guys who have game. Yeah, basically. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I think you're right. I, I think the coaching matchup to me is the most fascinating because both these guys make real-time adjustments, in-game yep. adjustments, I think, as, as well as anybody in the league. So there's going to be a chess match going on, obviously, just as the game unfolds. If, if there's a team that gets a 13-0 lead, like we saw the Saints get over the Rams, I don't think this game is over, um, just as the Pats couldn't really put the Chiefs away in the AFC title game. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch these two guys do their – their headset magic as the game unfolds, depending on the ebb and flow of the Oh, action. just be honest. You're excited for Maroon 5 at halftime. You know, I'm missing that press conference because that was just the staple of the week. There's at, no, well, there there's is no, no press Thursday conference. press conference. I know. There's yeah. no Thursday press conference because what was it that they were afraid maybe Colin Kaepernick questions would I be? I think so. Yeah. Oh, come on. I think that they was the idea. better than that. that, that the, the, and the Colin Kaepernick questions came up for the uh, Goodell commissioner. Oh, did uh, he offer lots of insight? He did not. He basically said that teams are going to do what they need to do to win. Right. So yeah, it's I, a circular I, 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 argument. I don't think the commissioner wants to speak, speak out when there's pending litigation. Um, you know, and a great matchup to me is, or a great question, I think, is the Todd Gurley one. Like, are we, are we going to act like... The last four weeks, C.J. Anderson hasn't been their lead running back. And no, go back, he's their starting running back. Go back to Todd Gurley because I think Gurley's got a lot to prove after that really puzzling, head-scratching performance well, uh, against game, New Orleans. Well, the game got ahead of him. The game was too big for him in yep. the NFC Championship. It does make you wonder if he's still hurt or if maybe he – if because we talked about it earlier in the year too, and I think that's been a key to the Patriots' success recently, is the, that Brady looks great. He's not on the injury report, and I don't know what they would be fudging or hiding. Brady looks great, and he's moving as well, if not better, than he has all season long. And maybe those couple extra weeks go the distance in helping heal up a knee injury. Uh, Gurley's not showing up on the injury report significantly, but maybe there's still something lingering that he's all. It's it's maybe it's just sort of always on his mind, and maybe it had been on Brady's mind too. These two weeks could be huge for him because if the Patriots have to contend with Mike Tol like double turbo sized Mike Tolbert, Tolbert right. plus right. in. C.J. Anderson and a healthy Gurley for a team that finished in the lower 20s against the run this year in the NFL, that could be trouble. And that's where Goff gets effective. If they can stop the run, Goff will not be that effective. Mm. And vice versa. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, you may have heard this before about football. Win the war in the trenches, win the game. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think C.J. Anderson, he had a great answer yesterday. Someone said, do you mind being called fat? Because clearly he's not at his Broncos weight at this point. He's like C.J. plus. He said, I don't call, care if you call me thick, fat, whatever. If you think it's easy to tackle me, we'll, meet me at the line of scrimmage. We'll see how that goes. Oh, boy. He's got, he's got a little late-season mojo going because the guy who's on his fourth team does not expect to end up playing for the Lombardi. I call him bonus-sized. He, he is XXL, yeah, exactly. this, yeah, a little exactly. Roman numeral <laughs> of a, a different kind. I also want to talk very briefly about um, the Wade Phillips factor. Mm -hmm. Now, Brady has good... Son of bum. Son of bum, who is obviously the kind of the uh, cult hero of the Super Bowl once again, the wit and wisdom mm -hmm. of Wade Phillips. Um, Brady's got good career numbers against him. Six, six wins and nine starts. However, you know the one that sticks in your brain? Three years ago at the AFC title game when he yep. had that Broncos defense playing its best. Um, Brady in that game, 48.2 completion percentage, a 56.4 passer rating, both his second worst playoff showing ever. Mm -hmm. Does Wade scare you as a Pats fan or what he might be able to do? Not nearly as much, no, no? because this is, this is Tlaib plus three years. 
Marcus Peters is nothing compared to Chris Harris in that game. I, I know you don't think lot, you don't you don't see a Von Miller on site. Uh, while I respect Michael Brocker's pass rushing game, and we know that Aaron Donald and Sue, when he decides to focus, can be game wreckers. That's the pressure up the middle. And when you had Demarcus Ware and Von Miller coming from the outside with the hometown noise on a time snap count against a busted offensive line where you had two-thirds Sebastian Bulmer playing left tackle and an injured Marcus Cannon playing right tackle and Brian Stork telegraphing every single snap, they were in the backfield before Tom Brady was ever able to get the ball. Plus, Edelman was surgically repaired. The only thing he had was a half-healthy Gronk. So now you've got a completely healthy offense and a healthy offensive line, and you've got an interior pass rush. That's where the game will be dictated in terms of the Patriots' offensive abilities. Interior pass rush was the, obviously the blueprint for both of the Giants' Super Bowl upsets. Tom Brady's least three right. favorite words in addition to not non-organic avocados. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, to me, that's the key matchup in the game, whether they can keep Brady clean. Obviously, he's done great damage, not been sacked in the two postseason games. Offensive line's playing great, but they better keep him clean. Otherwise, we could see a version of that Giants up-the-gut pass rush that was so effective in 42 and 46. I know you just said words, but I didn't hear anything because I chose not to. All right. We're going to now go to our guest, Peter King, NBC Sports. Joined by Peter King of NBC, NBCSports.com. Football Morning in America column. You read it, you digest it, you absorb it. Peter, um, it's Wednesday morning of Super Bowl week here in Atlanta. We don't know yet what Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the league, is going to say at his State of the League press conference later today. But obviously he's going to be peppered with questions regarding the non-call in New Orleans. Big picture, a prediction of sorts. What do you think happens in terms of officiating on the front of significant change, if any. Uh, we had Mike Pereira last week tell us he's in favor of the Sky Judge, an eighth official in the box, basically there to fix whatever is egregious. Do you think that has any shot of happening? I think one of the things Goodell is going to say, because I've heard it from other people in the league, basically that everything is going to be on the table, uh, that you could see a lot of different solutions and possible solutions proposed. Uh, but I, I think, Don, the, the most logical scenario is some sort of extra uh, chance to challenge a play late in a game. Uh, I've heard that uh, the competition committee absolutely is not in favor of the Belichick uh, way, which is challenge anything. And the thing that kind of upsets me, because I absolutely, I've been saying that every play ought to be eligible for challenge for years. And everybody says, oh, the games will be four hours long. They won't, because two things would happen. You would not increase the number of challenges that a coach could have. So a coach, logically, would want to uh, not burn his challenges. I, one of the most bizarre things of this season was when Joe Philbin, as the interim coach of the Packers, used both his challenges in the first five minutes of a game for the Packers, failed at both. His first game, I might add. It was his first game. <laughs> Maybe that's why he remained the interim coach and didn't get the job. But, but what I thought was really interesting during the course of this season is all the people, anytime you mention that, they say, oh, the games are going to be four hours long. I think there's a chance that the games actually might be shorter slightly for one reason. Because coaches are not going to challenge the whether an eight-yard completion was good or, or not good in the first quarter. They're going to have to say, we have to make our challenges count, and it's not worth it. We have to judge whether our challenges are really, really worth it. So, look, I think there's a chance, a chance, that, that they could do that. But the one thing, the one other thing that to me is disheartening about all of this, it, it, and I can't figure it out, John Elway basically dismissed all thought that you could challenge interference. And he said, we just can't do that. Why? Why? I don't understand that. What is the, what is, is what is the, the big pox on this game that says we can't challenge interference. So if, if it's if it if it's an egregious, horrible call, 
that everybody saw in the NFC Championship game, you ought to be able to fix it, figure out a mechanism. Don't you think of this as break glass in case of emergency? In case of a true emergency, like we had, fix it in real time. I went to the CBS media availability yesterday and talked to Gene Steratore, your good friend, 15-year official, now a rules analyst for CBS. Very hesitant, Gene is, about getting into any area where a judgment call can be reviewed. I get that, but it still stands to reason to me you can put somebody up there to just correct the egregious things that can happen that in the current situation cannot be addressed, cannot be fixed, even though everyone at home can see the mistake in, in high definition. And I don't understand the One leaks. One of the biggest problems, done is that it's got to get a three-quarter vote. There are so many ideas that we believe on the surface are good ideas. And everybody says, hey, we got to fix it. But getting the three-quarters vote is going to be difficult. Now, look, I'll tell you the way the competition committee works. Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, now Riveron, will meet with them in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. That's the opening of rules season, basically. Uh, and he'll meet with them. And, and this is what I've heard from those sessions, not the ones where the competition committee is in by itself, you know, but the ones when Roger Goodell is in there, they know which things he really wants to be fixed. And so for everybody to say that, well, we'll see what the competition committee does. Yes, but if Roger Goodell really wants something done, he will press Rich McKay and the others in that room. You've got to fix this. And, and again, and then you come out of the room, hopefully, 7-1 to one or 8 nothing in favor of it. And then they bring it to the body and they work on people at the league meetings. I, my gut feeling is, I don't know that you're going to be able to get anything significant passed at the league meetings this year. But... I think at some point before the start of the season, maybe at the spring meeting, you'll see some legislation and some attempt to try to fix this. Peter, we're all big baseball fans in this room. I know you especially. I think we all root for the same team as well. And baseball, which is all about tradition, America's pastime, you would never have thought that baseball would have allowed itself to go down the all plays eligible for review road and people were afraid that the games would be too long and it didn't seem to have a significant impact on the length of the games as a matter of fact they've been able to right the wrongs uh that many umpires have made in the game now why would football now see itself or at least from a fan's perspective which is how i try to always approach things we may feel like we're getting wronged because well a whole fan base is still up in arms uh it just seems like it's the right thing to do. So why wouldn't the NFL look at baseball and say, well, they, they, they fix several calls a game. Why can't we allow one or two calls a game, especially when they're so egregious and they honestly punch the ticket for what seems to be, I want to say the wrong team, but a team. That's a great question, Nick. I, I believe, and, you know, and at the end of the day, I believe that they're going to figure a way to stop the cataclysmic call from happening. I just don't know how yet. You know what, what is very interesting? Usually there are people inside the league who might tell you, well, sort of maybe you'll want to look, at, look for this to happen or look for that to happen. I'm telling you right now, they don't have an idea right now what they're going to do. And that's why they need to get into a room and have these discussions so that they can find out because so many of these guys have done this for a long time, have been on the competition committee for a long time, and they'll tell you, for instance, oh, that is no chance of passing. So I think part of it becomes what actually could pass. And I think they're going to do something. I just, I wish I could say, because I've been asked a lot, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I, I truly don't know. But as Pereira told you, I think the Sky Judge is a possibility. The reason why I think that, that I, the reason why I'm not really sure that that can work is because you're already doing that in New York City. You know, I have been in the officiating command center. I wrote a story on it for the MMQB a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, I forget. But I sat in there and at every, uh, I was in, in there for the, the four o'clock window. I came in at four, left about 7.30. 
what was really, really interesting is that they have these officiating, I, I don't know if they're called official uh, officiating technicians, but it reminds me a lot of somebody just sitting at his desk um, with his big screen in front of him, just you know, having his lunch and watching the game on TV. And what happens is he has the ability of that thing in between every play, play it back, go forward and everything, to watch a play if there's anything in question at all. And it's almost duplicating what would happen, the sky judge, because they already have that guy. What would be different, I think, if that guy sitting at that thing, uh, at that chair, would be able to press a button and call out to the, you know, the officials on the field in that game and call out to them and basically say, stop the game, you've got to do this. I could see that happening. I, I'm not saying it's likely, but I could see that happening and I could see some of the officials who are older or maybe the out of shape guys, they bring those guys to New York, the on-field officials, to basically work every Sunday uh, and be that sky judge that Pereira talked about only in New York, not on the scene. Now, look, I, I, again, I'm literally just throwing out ideas because I don't know what's going to happen. That's all any of us really can do at this point. But we definitely would like to see change. However, I'd just like to point out, having been here for a little over 24 hours now, while Saints fans and many other football fans feel as though the Saints were robbed of a chance to appear in Super Bowl 53, I'll tell you who's not ha who's very happy the Saints got jobbed, per se, uh, Atlanta fans. I've asked every I've, a, I've asked every Uber driver, every place I've eaten, how do you feel? Is it weird for the Patriots to be here? And all I keep hearing is, well, so long as it's not the Saints, we're fine with it. Welcome, New England, which is interesting. Now, as we pivot to Super Bowl 53, Peter, uh, something I've heard is that maybe the Rams are going to be able to use this whole idea that they got in there because of a blown call. They don't belong there. That, you know, the Patriots played the we don't belong, we suck, we're old thing, the underdogs for a while. They played that to their effect. But are the Rams, do you think the Rams are going to be able to use that to their effect, put that chip on their shoulder, like you only got here because of a blown call? I believe they'll use that, Nick, but, I mean, here's the way I sort of feel about all of those things. I think we in the media spend a lot of time talking about things that very, very rarely after a Super Bowl or after a huge game does somebody sit up on a podium and say, yep, uh, I mean, it was rare to hear Brady say that to um, uh, who Tracy, say? Wolf. Tracy Wolfson, uh, you know, everybody thinks we suck or everything. So just this is just my opinion. I don't very often hear after a game, yep, we're really motivated by the fact that everybody thinks that we stink. It, it happens, and it did happen that time, but I just don't remember that many Super Bowls where after a game somebody comes in and says, I think we played better because they dissed us. So the Rams could use it, and, and I don't put anything past any coach, any player about this, but I kind of <coughs> doubt we'll have, it'll matter, you know? We're with Peter King, NBC and NBCSports.com. Super Bowl 53, we're about midweek. It's Wednesday morning. What's the best thing you've heard so far in your Super Bowl stay in Atlanta, either from a player, a coach, a cabbie, a fan? Wade Phillips on Monday night I thought was just really fun, really interesting. Uh, one of the reasons I don't have anything, I, I, I do a podcast in this week. But in my new job at NBC, I write on Monday, so, or I write for Monday, and then I don't write until the next Monday. So I didn't really have anything to do at media night. I just wanted to listen to Wade Phillips, because I could sit there and listen to him for hours. His stories are fun. Everything about the way he approaches the game is fun. I, I could not believe it. <clears throat> I listened to him for 20 minutes and then went over and just sat, uh, or stood and just listened to Aqib Tlaib. And Aqib Tlaib said he's a genius, you know, like Belichick. Meaning Wade. Wade Phillips, yeah. And I never get that. I never have heard a player say that about him. Everybody says, hey, we love playing for this guy, players, coach, all that other stuff. Uh, so so that, that was one. And, uh, you know, I, I just think in general in a week like this, I end up, you know, not necessarily... You, learning very much from anything anybody says.
but I just like to listen to people, how they're acting going into this game, how they seem, you know, and, and I think I've just, from observation and being around them a little bit and being with Sean McVay over the weekend, I don't think they're going to lose this. If they lose this game, I don't think they're going to lose this game because they're they're tight. Yeah. The only thing I would say, and I talked to McVay a little bit when I met with him on Saturday out in California. I, I talked to him a little bit about, I told him that, you know, Parcells once said, uh, you know, get your rest on Friday and Saturday. You know, that's that's a really important thing to do. And uh, and And I said to him, and the other thing that Parcells always used to say is, it's just a football game. You know, don't make it too much. But that's one of the reasons why I, I'm fascinated by this game. I think it's one of the most interesting matchups ever. I would bet a lot of money that this week uh, the the Rams coaches are over in their hotel, the Hyatt Regency downtown, or the... Um, Buckhead Marriott. Buckhead. They're, they're up at their hotel and their coaches are not going out to many nice dinners because they're following what I believe has been a recent uh, tradition of, of coaches late in the year where um, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated, the MQB, wrote this in mid-season. I thought it was genius. I'm not a music fan, okay, that much. And I don't know about modern music, but I've all, I found it weird that you know, and I'll be totally 61 years old by saying this, but I find it interesting that there would be a song by like Snoop Dogg where he features Cardi B and has some other people on his on his song. And I said, well, wait a second, why isn't this just Snoop Dogg singing a song or, or doing whatever? And so people have said to me over the last few years, no, 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 no. These people, when they make music today, all the artists today, basically, they take music from other people. They take samples of what other people have done, and they put it in their thing. I guess they pay them royalties, don't they? I guess they pay them royalties. But 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 the point, Connor Orr made this point. He says, this is what play design and play calling is like today. It's Sean McVay and his coaches studying uh, Doug Peterson. And because now with things like Pro Football Focus and with the way that plays can be broken down, it's so easy to see everything that a team has done or that, hey, you know what, I hear that Florida State is doing so-and-so. So let's look at every Florida State one-by-three formation. And we think they can work against the Patriots. Or maybe Josh McDaniels, I'm not saying that the Rams are the only one. I bet Josh McDaniels is doing this too. And one last thing I would just say about that. A, a Sean McVay team, you know, where he calls the plays, uh, you know, he's been doing it for five years, three years in Washington, two years now with the Rams. He's only done it one time against Belichick. <coughs> Excuse me, and Belichick and Matt Patricia skunked him in Foxborough in 2015. So there's a lot to go to school on in this matchup. Everybody at home, please grab your ticket and proceed to the window if you had Peter King dropping a Cardi B reference in today's podcast. I could not have said that better. I, the one thing I did not expect to hear today was Cardi B uh, Cardi coming B. in. Uh, I almost felt like Peyton Manning in that Brad Paisley commercial. He's like, you call that a mashup? Is that a mashup? We are in a band. Well, and, 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 it, and it makes a ton of sense, too. And to your point, the Patriots have done that effectively in 2014 in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think I think John Harbaugh John playoffs. I think John Harbaugh's dander is still up over the play that they borrowed from Alabama that Alabama used against LSU in November 2014. Then the Patriots busted out in the divisional round against the Rams. So why when someone when something is working or something is new or something especially may work against typical formations or what another team does with like you said film thanks to the internet and all 22s available. Why not try to Veer, the smart coaches, it seems to me, veer a little bit off what they do and do what will work best against that opponent. And I think both coaches do that. <clears throat> no question about it. Last year in the Super Bowl, the two plays that beat the Patriots, obviously one is Philly special. Everybody knows that there's no, there was no uh, precedent ever. Uh, Nick Foles had never <laughs> caught a pass in an NFL game. Trey Burton had never thrown a pass in an NFL game. 
Uh, and Doug Peterson had never in his coaching career uh, been a play caller and called that play. This, and, and then the winning touchdown pass, the 11-yard pass from Foles to Zach Ertz in late in the fourth quarter that won the game, clinched the game. Uh, what was so great about that is that Doug Peterson got to Philadelphia, got to Minnesota Monday, Sunday of the Super Bowl, or whatever day they got there, and he had a meeting with his coaches, and he says, you know, the hay's not in the barn. We're not done. We've got 192 plays in our game plan. I want you to find plays that are better than right now. And so <clears throat> when they went out to practice on Wednesday, by Wednesday morning, they had replaced 12 plays in their game plan. One of them was the one-by-four uh, formation that Zach Ertz was the one on the left-hand side. He had never called that in a game. The Eagles had run only 12 one-by-four formations the entire season, and never the, never with Ertz as the one. So all these things. This is what we're talking about with these coaches. I can guarantee you, after this game, a story or story will be written about a play that one team never saw before. Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating matchup as well. One of the big picture items for me is that you know, we, we love to obsess all offseason about the club that won the offseason. It's a meaningless title, obviously. It rarely turns into anything in the regular season. And yet we have a Rams team. And let's take the controversy in New Orleans aside. We have a Rams team that's here in the game that they clearly were going all in for. I don't use Super Bowl or bust. I think that's wrong. I think this is a team that's set up for a two- or three-, four-year window. So it's not all about, it wasn't all about 18. However... They saw their opportunity. They went for it. You know the additions they made. Um, largely, it took some time, but every one of them has worked out. It's pretty cool that we're talking about the team that won the offseason that might win the whole thing. That is a rarity that the 2011 Eagles or the 2000 Redskins couldn't pull off. Well, Don't work out. I was just going to say that the 2011 Eagles made – and look, Dan Snyder won the offseason about four years right. in a row. Um, you know, signing guys like Deion Sanders, who finished giving him $7 million when he didn't deserve $70,000. Back to Deion, I mean, he fleeced Washington on that deal. But the reason why I think so many teams have shied away from building that way is they all look at what happened to Philadelphia. Dream team got skunked. The weird thing about that, looking back, I cannot figure out. Did Nnamdi Asoma, who was a great cornerback, when he signed that contract, he plummeted down a cliff as a football player. Yep. And you just say to yourself, now, did he maybe have a physical ailment? I mean, what happened? You know, I, I, And I don't know what happened. But that was a weird part of that. But so many of those guys who were supposed to play well didn't play well. The difference here is, and I'll take Indomitian Sue for an example. And Dominican Sue, I believe you're going to be able to watch some tape of him in his career where he's, you know, he's saving himself for the next down or for three downs down the road. Taking plays off. Plays off, yeah. He's a Randy Moss-ish. Uh, and he doesn't do it a lot at, at all, but I'm just saying, and Dominican Sue was, has been waiting for this moment, I think. And he understands the demands of football on his body. And that 75 times he can't play like it's the last play of his career. Yeah. So he understands he is aiming for this moment. I think Indomitian Sue could be as great in this game as Aaron Donald is. And if the Patriots decide to take, like here's my pet theory on what Josh McDaniels and Dante Scarnecchia will do. I think they basically are going to say they're interior three. Okay. I think they're going to basically say to those three guys, you neutralize these two guys and play after play. You're not going to. You're not double blocking Aaron Donald every play. Maybe you're chipping him sometime with White or who, who or Burkhead. You just don't know. But theoretically, I think that they're probably going to try to, you know, basically say you you three guys take care of those two. And that to me could mean a really really big important game for a guy like Trent Brown. Because to me, he's been magnificent in the 100, 179 plays of the of the postseason so far. No sacks, only two pressures. That's incredible. No one ever expected that. I expected Isaiah Wynn 
If you asked me, if you said the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl, I would have thought Isaiah Wynn would be the left tackle in the Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, Isaiah Wynn, who was, I mean, look, here's the Patriots sometimes, they are the cat that falls out of the high tree and lands on its feet. Because basically, Isaiah Wynn, you'd have to check me on this, I think he's Brandon Cooks. You know, I mean, you. They turned him into, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, and so, man, I mean, can you imagine when he, when they made that pick? I said, okay, long term tackle. I get, I don't like trading Cooks, but I get the trade off. Sean McVay told me on Saturday uh, when I was riding with him in his car, he had a great point. I said, hey, because we were just talking for a while. <clears throat> I said, can you believe Brandon Cooks is twenty five years old? Catches 11 or 1200 yards of footballs every year and gets has been traded before the age of 25. How weird is that? He goes, I don't really think it's that weird. He said, Now, I really need Brandon Cooks, but you look at the Patriots and they don't necessarily have the same needs that I do, and you have to designate your cap money and allocate your cap money to different priorities. And I could have probably predicted that the Patriots would not have a $16 million wide receiver on their team. It's just not the way they do it. That They're not wrong because they win, you know, with Chris Hogan and those guys. And I'm, 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 I'm going way beyond what he said, but that's, in essence, what he meant. Yeah. Pick time. Do you have a feel for this game yet? And uh, who do you like? I like the Patriots. I'm picking them 37-33. Before the season, Labor Day weekend, I picked a Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. I picked the Rams. He did. I looked it up. I picked the Rams 39-30. Or I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl game uh, uh, 29-23. But, you know, you're throwing darts on Labor Day weekend. No one knows anything. The reason why I'm going back to the Patriots is an incredibly kindergarten-y way to look at this game. I am not picking against Tom Brady. That's all there is to it. You look at the last few playoff games that he has played, he is either an A-plus or an A in every one. Now, <clears throat> the, in Kansas City, he had made some mistakes, no question about it. In a huge mistake in throwing the ball into the end zone, he could have been the go to the game, you know, throwing the interception in the end zone. But how do you, how do you, how do you figure a, a player completing or converting three third and tens on the road in a place where it was a consistent 110 decibels your players can't hear you everything is done silent and it just i just can't pick against tom brady that's it that's what my pick comes down to seems like both teams peter are kind of playing their best ball a different kind of ball for the Rams at the right time. They're playing with a, a more sound defense. The offense still works, and obviously the Patriots are the complete package now. So I think it's going to make for a spectacular game. I don't know if it's going to be as high scoring. 70 points would be an amazing watch. I think it's going to be a little more low scoring. I think something maybe high 40s, low 50s. Really? Yeah, because I could see, well, Goff isn't good against pressure. And although the Rams' offensive line is underrated, Goff has a passer rating under 60 whenever he faces pressure so i'm going to be looking for corner stunts uh maybe a few blitzes or trey flowers to convince brian flores to break the bank and get the man paid in miami i was just going to say that there's a couple of really interesting things in this game for the patriots number one uh the fate of rob gronkowski because i think this is the last game he'll ever play but said he would empty the tank yeah, yeah. the the and the other the other thing that i would just say is you know, is Trey Flowers going to be Chandler Jones in a, in a different way? Are the Patriots going to trick? I mean, Chandler Jones has more sacks than anybody in football since he landed in Arizona. So, and I'm not saying necessarily that it's been bad for the Patriots to let him go, but because Belichick just figures that I can, I can find a guy to do it. I can find a guy to do it. But Trey Flowers, man, he'd be, he'd be a big loss for this team, a big loss. Yeah, he does more than rush the passer. He's he's a real Belichick guy too. And hey, they, he's a Strahan kind of guy because he isn't just the one trick pony you can rush the passer. He's a complete player. Yeah, he really is. And they let Chandler Jones go, but hey, three uh, you know four of the last five Super Bowls, three straight. I, I guess they're doing something right in New England. It is just <laughs> unbelievable for all the people who hate the Patriots. You know, whatever you think about them, however much you hate seeing them here every year, 
damn, you got to appreciate what they've done. We appreciate your time. We've been with Peter King from NBC Sports, NBCSports.com. Uh, thank you, Peter. It's been an absolute blast. Thanks for joining us again on Cover 2. Check out his work at Football Morning in America every Monday morning. Um, I do remember last year we had you on the podcast in Minneapolis. You said you're not picking against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, I went with the Eagles last year. I'm going with the Patriots as well. We'll get into our picks later. But um, – I, I think you're right. I think uh, it, it's unwise. This time it feels like they, they're playing a little with house money. They are, but I will I'll also make just one last point that Sean McVay is a total unknown. Right Wild card. Do. And, you know, you look at their offense, and they have so many people who could be the guy in this game. We could be waking up Monday morning if they win the game saying, oh, my God, C.J. Anderson. Tyler Higby. Yeah, C.J. <laughs> oh. Anderson. Look at the TV. He's on Good Morning America. He's the MVP. Yeah. I mean, you just, that's why the old cliche, well, Bill will take away their biggest weapon like he did with Tyler. Who is it? Who is it? I don't know who it is. I don't that's either. I don't think he's going to do it. Anyway. It should make for a fascinating matchup. Peter, thank you again. Okay, Appreciate the time for the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Once again, like everyone says, no bad time had with a Peter King interview during Super Bowl week. He's the big dog. He is. He knows all. He really does. Spews all. Exactly. He's connected to everybody. And what I find so fascinating, what's so interesting and, fu- and enjoyable in the moment is his recall of every relationship of every game. It just all comes to him so quickly. He sees through the matrix. He's so deeply embedded in all of it. And Peter's not jaded yet either after all these no. years. He still really enjoys it. He loves what he knows. He loves the game. He and even loves a week like this, which can be a tiring, it's, long, It's exhausting for everybody. To cover, but he has such incredible contacts he that did. he can get almost anybody when he needs them. I also may be saying that because he picked the Patriots, so. Yeah, yeah. That's And true. he's a Sox fan, so Peter King's my kind of, and he's a beer drinker, so. All right, we know who he picked. Right. Now it's time for us to pick. So I hinted at it, and you hinted at it as well, but uh, I'm going to give you my score. I got Patriots 31, Los Angeles, formerly of St. Louis Rams, 20. Fire, oh, up, fire up the duck boats. We're dodging Bud Lights again. We're going to dent the Vince Lombardi with a 12-ouncer. You have 31-20. 31 31 to 20. I thought Patriots, by bylaw of NFL rule, they have to, to be a one-score game. Yes. Nope. This is not the blowout that will ease all of the agita and the fangxiety, if you will, in Patriots Nation and around the world. But this will be the first non-one-score Super Bowl in the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick wow. era. I'm not sure I know what, how to write that one. I'm going. I'm going 27-23. I'm going to have now. A I'm not sleeping game. until Sunday. I'm picking the Patriots as well. 27. Now Peter had 37-33. You're going to go. 27, I'm going to go 27-23. I got very nervous yesterday at the CBS uh, media availability. Tony Romo picked the final score without picking a winner as 28-24. So he Tony sees Romo is human predictive text. I feel pretty good if 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 Nasta, or what do they call him? Romo Ramos or uh, Romo Sferatu, Romo Damas. Yeah, yeah, if he's picking a four-point game, I'm okay with it too. I, I think 27-23. I think the Pats get out to a bit of a lead. The Rams come back to them a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and I think it's a close game in the fourth quarter. Is this the first Super Bowl where Tom Brady scores a touchdown in the first quarter because he never scores a That's touchdown true. in the first he's, quarter? He's always kind of taken that time to get his but in all set. eight Super Bowls he has had the Patriots ahead in the fourth quarter so if the yeah, defense right. holds up he has had the Patriots with the lead in all eight fourth quarters well again I think it's going to come down to keeping him clean making sure that the Rams pass rush because let's be honest and Dominican Sue is finally interested in playing his sure a he game he's been good the last two games in the playoffs and right. I think he's um he can be a, a handful but the Patriots have uh, big 46 uh, James Devlin might be a, an enormous key in this game. Gronk is the best sixth offensive lineman, tight lineman, if you will. He's, a, he's a, honestly an offensive lineman with wide receiver speed that can catch passes. He's going to be doing his job out there. Uh, maybe even the backs help just chipping, just buying another half second for Brady. You say if Brady can have a clean pocket and buy some time, I'll ask you this. Do you think the Patriots will apply the kind of pressure necessary to throw Goff off his game? I think the connection between 
McVeigh and Goff is so key. A clean pocket and plenty of time and their communication in the headsets. I don't think the Patriots declare squat in terms of what their defensive alignment's going to be until they know those headsets go off. And Inside of 15 seconds. They're going to be saying. cocktail yeah. partying, as they call it, standing up, and then they'll declare. And I think that's going to cause a lot of trouble for Goff. You do. I, I don't see him struggling with the Patriots' pass rush all day. In other words, I don't, you know, I don't think that's going to be the, the tone setter for me. I, I think he's going to – they're going to get their points. They're going to have – Better drives in the second half than the first. I do think at first they might find themselves a little, a little uh, awed at the stage mm-hmm. and start slow. Right. And, and as you say, it would, it would be atypical for the Patriots to get out to that early lead. But I think that's, that's what we're looking at. Um, any, anything funky on the MVP choice, or you're going number 12? Oh, on the MVP choice. Uh, the house money is on Tom Brady. Yep. The surprise money is going to be on... I'm gonna go with uh, I'll go with Trey Flowers. Okay. I still think he I still think he's gonna have he's gonna have a game that sets a free agency marker for him whether he stays in New England or goes elsewhere. I think he's a big game player. I'm gonna reach a little. I'm gonna go Edelman. I think he's playing really determined football. Jules. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Frank and Angie would love to hear that. Obviously, number twelve is in the pole position. Every quarterback starts if they win the Super Bowl. They're usually the MVP. But right. if there's a guy, it's not Brady. It's going to be Edelman. Like eleven catches, two two scores. Maybe they give him they give right. him the hardware this time. Wow. And I don't even want to think who it would be for a Rams MVP because we're all going Patriots, and that's the way it's going to be. Well, if we're picking. Patriots. We don't have to exactly. worry about Rams MVP. No, I know. All right. Oh, wow. I can't believe it. Super Bowl. It just still doesn't feel real. When does it feel? When is Usually the Friday feel real? is when Friday? I feel like that's when the okay. town fills up. The crush is starting to become incredibly noticeable. And I feel like the weekend, as, it, as you can see in the distance, it, it game day then suddenly looms. But until then, you're usually too busy working and, and, and logging days off. But Wednesday is not it. It's, it's, it's another 48 hours, and then it'll feel like a Super Bowl city, I promise. Don, I hope the next time we get together for cover two, I am uh, still a little bit hungover, and I have celebration voice. And you can barely understand me. That, knows, that means I will have lived my best Patriots life between now and then. I think it's going to happen. All right. I think it's going to happen, and you know I picked the Eagles last I know, year. I, I'm, I'll so. forgive you if the Pats win. Anyway, for, for um, Nick Stevens, I'm Don Banks. That's another Cover 2 podcast. We came to you from Sidebar in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, close to where Super Bowl 53 will be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium Thank you, Sunday Peter night. King. Thank Great you again, Peter, Peter King, our guest on the Cover 2 podcast, and we will talk again at you next week from Gillette Stadium and another Cover 2 podcast wrapping up Super Bowl 53. Go Bats. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the yes! goal line. It's still a touchdown. It's and a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.